0: Hello and welcome to kerrang back issues this week we will be looking at issue number 532 february the 11th 1995 £1.45. and i forgot to say that i'm your host stephen so welcome this issue of kerrang is absolutely stacked so let's jump into it straight away the cover stars for this week are it's a three-way split so there's evan seinfeld from biohazard tom arrea from slayer and rob flynn from machinehead wag slayer biohazard and machine head crush california splitting skulls on the heaviest tour on earth plus bon jovi vote for their opening act machine head uk dates slash guns and roses man Go solo live no effects extreme Megadeth, Headswim, head swim killing joke dream theater also faith no more hear their new lp first plus jim martin exclusive and inside courtney love and black crows posters blimey it's a really really good issue this week it really is i really enjoyed uh, going through this one already if you would like to get in contact with us here at kerrangback issues we can be contacted via instagram at kerrangback issues twitter kerrangpod and email kerrangbackissues at gmail.com let's begin this week with a swift word from the editor the campaign continues at the start of the year, we promised you that the Big K was going to hit you week after week with more value for mayhem. Where, well, yeah, we wanted to bring you club nights you can remember, or better still, find hard to remember. We wanted to bring you offers that you couldn't resist, and this week we've done just that. Here's a list of some of the wunderbar deals you'll find lurking in these here pages. Bon Jovi, vote for their opening act. See the facing page for a chance to decide who will be added to the hottest bill of the summer hear faith no more's new album first see page 44 for full details of a monster five night kerrang london hmv club romp that'll allow you to hear the new faith no more platter first the best of british club night see page 49 for the full details of the first kerrang rock city night which is dedicated to hot british talent Headswim, baby chaos the last great dreamers joyrider and burn all for a mere four quid blinder machine head uk dates See page 7 for exclusive details on the Machine Head tour co-promoted by Kerrang, Radio 1, and Hotshot UK TV show Noisy Mothers. These are just 4 events which are designed to make your weekly dose of Kerrangitude more than just a magazine. What's more, we've got other bold and bludgeoning plans for the rest of the year. Kerrang! The Album Volume 2, Kerrang! The Karaoke Video, and Kerrang! The Awards. Stay tuned for the full lowdown next week. Hell, how long is it going to be till Kerrang! The Movie? Uh, maybe not. Rest assured, this week, there's a ton more news, views, and gubbins in your dose of decibel abuse, from a five-page cover feature through to tons on Headswind, Big Jim Martin, No Effects, L7, Megadeth, Paradise Lost, and more. As usual, we'll trust you to let us know what you dig and what you don't. We're lining up even more value-packed deals for next week, so tune in, same time, same place. Till then, stay clean, Phil Alexander, editor. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 starting this week with mayhem the hottest news in metal first and bon jovi want you to choose the band to open their show at gateshead stadium yes that's right you the kerrang reader John Bon Jovi and his Megastar band have contacted the Mighty Krang office and asked us to get our wonderful readers to vote for the band you'd most like to see opening the bill of their June 27th show in Gateshead. So here's your golden once in a lifetime opportunity to get involved with one of the biggest rock acts in the world. The Bon Jovi tour will be one of the biggest of the year with Gateshead and Sheffield Stadia already sold out and in order to meet the demand the band have added a show at Cardiff Arms Park to the two Wembley Stadium shows on sale. The band, fortunate enough to be selected by Kerrang! readers, will be invited to play before a crowd of 40,000 fans. This spectacular tour comes at a time when Bon Jovi have a higher profile than ever in Britain. Their compilation LP, Crossroad The Best of Bon Jovi, was the best-selling album of 94 over here, selling in excess of 1.4 million copies. So how do you register your vote? Simple. Either send the name of the band on a postcard to Kerrang! Bon Jovi Poll, fifty two fifty five Carnaby Street London W1V 1PF or complete the voting form below. You can vote for any band you want, but please remember that this is the opening slot on the bill. Some mega names won't be considered. By that, we mean the likes of Metallica, Pearl Jam, and Guns N' Roses. Solo members may be considered. Furthermore, although Bon Jovi guaranteed that whichever act tops the poll will be offered the slot, it is possible that the band in question will not be available. If this happens, then the act to finish second will be approached. So what are you waiting for? Get those votes pouring in and remember, no vote, no voice. Jim Martin, the big, sick and ugly ex-Faith No More guitarist is well and truly back. The furry fretster has called his new band Behemoth, The quartet are completed by vocalist Bob Keith, drummer Joe Cabral, a childhood mate of Martin's who'd auditioned for the uh, bespectacled six-stringers pre-Faith No More combo Easy Street, and bassist Ron Holzner, who will do double duty with Behemoth and his longtime band Chicago Doomsters Trouble. The foursome have been working at Metallica bassist Jason Newstead's home studio where they've already written nine new songs, all ridiculously heavy, the likes of Fear, Testimony, Bit by the Dog, Mexican Sandwich and Fatso's World have already been given sneak blast on local Bay Area radio stations. Jason volunteered the use of his studio and his engineer to help us get this thing done, Martin reveals. We had it for a week and that was really very nice of him. Machine Head, the killer San Francisco Metal Machine, will tour the UK in May. The tour, which will be co-promoted by the Mighty Kerrang, BBC Radio 1 Rock Show and ITV's Noisy Mothers, runs as follows. Dublin SFX May 25th, Glasgow Barrowlands 26th, Wolverhampton Civic Hall 27th, Newport Centre 28th, Manchester Apollo 29th and London Brixton Academy 31st. There are likely to be two support acts on the bill, although details have yet to be confirmed. On May 7th, Radio 1's Rock Show will be broadcasting and recording the Quartet Scorching Brixton set on the Slayer Tour late last year and also repeating their Machine Head session on March 19th. These shows are at almost exactly the same venues the band played in when they supported Slayer, highlighting the head's remarkably rapid rise in Britain. The tour follows hot on the heels of the band's impressive showing in the Kerrang! Readers poll where their debut LP, Burn My Eyes, was voted the Album of the Year by the Kerrang! Readers. In addition, Machine Head, Slayer and Megadeth are all being linked with a rumoured metal festival which might well be taking place at London's Finsbury Park during mid-June. Although nothing has yet been confirmed, Kerrang understands that talks are taking place about the possibility of organising a new summer metal festival. A little caveat here, and um this is really exciting for me to go back and read this. So when Machine Head played Brixton Academy on the 31st of May, that was the first gig that I ever went to. My parents drove me to Brixton and sat in an Irish pub while me and my oldest mate uh, went and watched Machine Head and uh, it was one of the best nights of my life. It was unbelievable. I will talk to you more about that as we get closer to the time. Um, just wanted to put that in because obviously it's quite exciting for me. Stop Press and Iron Maiden are thought to have now laid down the basic tracks for their much-anticipated next LP at bassist Steve Harris's home studios. Once new frontman Blaze Bailey's vocals and the lead guitar parts are down, the Brit stars will start mixing. A release for the new LP is expected this summer. Latest reports on the much-talked-about Megadeth Tour support now has Corrosion of Conformity back in the running. Irish Oik's Curbed Dog are said to be favourites for the opening slot. Pole leader Courtney Love was sensationally arrested last month in Australia following an altercation on a flight from Brisbane to Melbourne. Love, who's really been out of the headlines since the death of her husband Kurt Cobain last April, was charged with abusing and intimidating the crew and other passengers on board the flight on January the 21st. The fiery frontwoman responded by claiming that she was subjected to a humiliating strip search upon her arrest. It's really weird, she told reporters. I didn't really do anything. But according to local press reports, the trouble initially started when Love became involved in a heated argument with a flight attendant. Apparently, Love had been sitting with her feet up on the partition in front of her seat in the first class cabin. When the flight attendant told her she would be reported if she didn't take them down, she apparently replied, go the fuck ahead. Love then allegedly became involved in a series of slanging matches with various other members of the crew and her fellow passengers. Eventually, the flight captain radioed ahead and requested that Love be arrested upon arrival. Love insisted that she had been suffering from severe backache and had put her feet up to alleviate the pain. She appeared in court in Melbourne on January 23rd and although she wasn't convicted of any of the charges, she was placed on a $500 good behaviour bond for one month. These are really offensive feet, she said afterwards. Hull's Australian visit where they've joined ministry and the cult on the big day out touring caravan has been dogged by controversy. One newspaper reported that Love had arrived down under carrying a teddy bear which it alleged was filled with Cobain's ashes. Meanwhile, Love went to war with two Australian DJs. One broadcast details of Hull's backstage rider which was said to include a large number of condoms and boxer shorts. The other, whose crime is not yet clear, was challenged to an onstage fight by Love in Sydney. On a happier note, Hull's second album, Live Through This, has been certified gold for sales in excess of 500,000 copies in the US. It's looking increasingly likely that the band will tour the UK in March and April. More details as soon as we get them. John Bon Jovi has been offered the lead role in the proposed sequel to last year's hit movie, The Crow. In The Crow 2, the New Jersey megastar is set to take over the part of the resurrected rock star from the late Brandon Lee, who was tragically killed in a shooting accident during the making of the original film. The decision to make a follow-up has only just been taken and although John has been officially offered the lead role, he has yet to accept it. Aside from considerations such as the quality of the part and the script, John also wishes to ensure that the shooting schedule will not interfere with Bon Jovi's plans for 1995. The band are set to release a new studio album, which they're currently recording with producer Pete Collins, and undertake a stadium tour in the UK and Europe within the next few months. Apes, Pigs and Spacemen, the fast-rising UK troupe, are about to enter a frenzied period of activity. First off, the foursome of Paul Miro, Kettle, Sam Carr and Bart will support Freak of Nature on seven UK dates from February 8th. They then head out on their own headlining tour from February 17th, before supporting Warrior Soul during late March. And, as if all of this wasn't enough to keep them busy, the Yorkshire Terriers will record a new EP during mid-March with producer Simon Ephemi for release during mid-April through Music for Nations. Yeah, we are certainly gonna be busy boys, laughs Miro at the moment. We're just trying to finish off writing material for our first full album before we get stuck into the touring process. Bad Religion, the US punk gods, are this week enjoying the storming chart success of their first ever UK single, 21st Century Digital Boy. The track is lifted from last year's acclaimed Stranger Than Fiction platter. It's backed with two previously unreleased tracks, Leaders and Followers, and Mediocrity, plus a live version of American Jesus, which was recorded last July during guitarist Brett Gurewitz's final Bad Religion show at the Hollywood Palladium. New Bad Religion guitarist Brian Baker was at the Palladium show. At the time, he was secretly rehearsing with a band. Hey, maybe you can hear me in the crowd, chirps a 29-year-old Axeman. I feel like a Bad Religion member already, he continues. I think that's because the way I came in was so full-on. Two weeks after joining, I was standing on stage in Germany playing 32 Bad Religion songs, having only previously known how to play 10 of them. As for the band's future, Gurritz, who left to concentrate on his ultra-hit record label Epitaph, has left the songwriting void in his wake. He and vocalist Greg Graffin shared the work roughly 50-50. Breck wrote some of my favourite Bad Religion songs amidst Baker. These are large shoes to fill and I'm going to be real conscious of not delivering soundalike stuff. Our new writing is going slowly but well. The only option is to do something fresh. Baker denies that the band made a mistake in jumping from Epitaph to Sony. The fact is, we've so far sold three times as many copies of Stranger than any previous album, in an eight for the time. I've always said that if you like a band because of the label they're on, then you're not really a fan of the band. Record news and Clawfinger, the Swedish rap metal act, issue a new album through East West on March 27th. It's titled Use Your Brain, a single pin me down precedes the album on March the 13th. Death, the latest album from Chuck Schuldiner and his fearsome lads have been confirmed for a release via Roadrunner on March 27th. It's titled Symbolic. Hootie and the Blowfish, the much-touted US combo who have already made such a massive impact on their home ground, will release their debut album Cracked Rear View* for Atlantic on February the 27th. The single Hold My Hand, Top 20 in America, comes out two weeks earlier. Machine Head, the Bay Area bangers have set to release their debut UK single Old through Roadrunner during May, when they're likely to return to the UK to headline a fall tour. Sensor, the band of a long-form video, States of Mind, issued on March the 13th. Skid Row, Sebastian Bach and his merry troops return to action on March 27th with their third album, Subhuman Race. More details will follow soon. Van Halen, a new single will be put out by the US rockers on March the 13th through Warner Brothers. It's the track Can't Stop Loving You, taken from the new album Balance. Tour news and at the gates, the Swedish Deathsters have now extended their UK tour. The full list of dates now reads Manchester, Witchwood, February 20th, Birmingham, Hibernian, 22nd, Milton Keynes, Bunker, 25th, London, Camden, Dublin, Castle, Devils Church, 26th. Ancient Rites and seance will support on all dates with Dark Heresy also on the bill in Milton Keynes. At the gates will also be making two personal appearances. These are at the Way Ahead in Birmingham's Bullring on February the 22nd at 3pm and at London's Camden Metalhead on February the 26th at 4pm. On each occasion, the first 25 fans to turn up at the shop will receive autographed copies of a limited edition 7-inch single. Down set, the gang rappers will be headlining the following shows. Leicester Princess Charlotte April the 1st, Glasgow Cat House 2nd, Stoke Wheatchy 3rd, Leeds Cockpit 4th, Liverpool Crazy House 5th, Buckley Tavoli 6th, and London Hybrid Garage 7th. Musicians Link. This is a new company set up to help bands find gigs in areas of the country other than their own. The idea is that the company will introduce bands to a like-minded one elsewhere in the UK so that two might be of mutual aid in getting gigs. The cost of joining this system is 10 quid. For more info, send an SAE to Musicians Link, P.O. Box 21, Lancaster LA1 1DH, or Phone 01524, 847-443 And finally this week, Queen's Reich, the Seattle Superstars will be making a personal appearance at Way Ahead in Nottingham on February the 13th from 1230pm to sign autographs, etc. Mayhem America, the hottest US news as it happens. Starting this week with Don Kay in New York. Remember last year's MTV Awards when an imposter dressed as Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash slouched into the event, fooled everyone into thinking he was the real thing and even got his picture in the next day's papers. Well, the real Slash met his doppelganger while on the trip to New York to promote his first solo album, It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. Local radio station K104.3 set up the meeting taking Slash completely by surprise when his double appeared during the live interview. Slash apparently took the whole thing in good spirits and said the guy was an all right geezer. Ironically, the real Slash had been in New York at the time of the aforementioned MTV Awards, but had gone out of his way to avoid being there. And although rumours abound that Slash and his snake pit singer Eric Dover would be popping in to one of the recent Megadeth Corrosion Conformity shows, neither of them turned up in the end. Still, the Roseland gigs were packed with fans and heavyweights from both bands' respective labels. spotting Megadeth's silver stage set won by Chris and Dave Mustaine's metallic mob, the shiniest metal band ever. Anthrax whittler Scott Ian, who was seen rocking at the Megadeth gigs, has revealed that the New York thrash gods have secured new management although we can't reveal their name as yet. Suffice to say though that they also handle one of metal's most electrifying bands. Ian was back in town for more anthrax rehearsals, but singer John Bush was attending the Super Bowl in Miami with close pals and the US baseball stars Mike Piazza and Bobby Bonilla. So why did the door to the client services department of Sony Music Studios, the office that makes sure all artists recorded there are properly fed and watered, say no client services for Ozzy Osbourne? Well, apparently, Ozzy's forthcoming album is already way over budget, with The Oz having scrapped one version of the project, currently working on Plan B. Guess The Oz will have to start making up a daily picnic hamper for himself and his band. US News Extra Contrary to rumor, John Karabi is still very much a member of Motley Crue and the band begin work shortly on their second album with the former Scream vocalist. As yet, there are no more details on this record. Page Plant begin their much anticipated world tour on February the 26th in Florida. All 15 arreasioner-sized shows were sold out within a matter of hours of tickets going on sale. Green Day's current album, Dookie, has now sold more than 5 million copies in the US. Slaughter have signed a new deal in America with CMC International. We now join Lisa Johnson in Los Angeles. Most of the surprises on Megadeth's Youth in America tour are included on the band's 100-page rider. Among the oddities requested are six padded chairs for the group's hospitality room. Said room, say the band, should also be equipped with dimmer or mood control lighting, have a clean and deodorized carpeting and two aerosol cans of neutral air freshener. There are over eight pages of food requirements, though lengthy, they're said to be reasonable. But then there's the child minding requirement, specifying a non-smoking female to be on hand for babysitting duty. Did you know Megadeth played golf? Well, apparently they do, as the rider states that the promoter reserve golf tea time for four people and pick up the tab too. And finally, learn how to spell. If a promoter spells the band's name wrong, they will be fined. The Smashing Pumpkins go into the studio to record the follow-up to their multi-platinum Siamese dream, platter in March. It will be produced by Flood. And Chicago residents will be treated to a handful of semi-secret Pumpkins gigs later this month at a tiny 500-capacity club. The band are intended to unveil several of their new songs at these shows. Whites on Meat are preparing to tour, having completed their long-awaited new album Astro Creep 2000's Songs of Love, Destruction and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electric Head. Look for an April release and a mind-bending multimedia concert tour to follow. EMI act Butt Trumpet, meanwhile, are also preparing to hit the road with the legendary Fear. Degeneration, generation the New York glam gang, have apparently been let go, re-dropped, from their deal with Chrysalis EMI after one album. Instead of hitting the road not so hot on the hills of the minuscule success they enjoyed with the track No Way Out, it looks like they'll have to start shopping for a new record deal. Steve, you've never been to a concert in your life. Shut up! We now come to concerts and the first concert review this week is L7 and Wall at the University of Bristol, Wednesday, February the 1st. This is reviewed by Paul Travers and this gets a high voltage out of five, four out of five. And just before I begin the review, I just wanted to let you know that the picture that accompanies this piece might be my favorite live review picture for quite some time. So it's a picture of Donita Sparks and Jennifer Finch, obviously both from L7, Still on stage looking deadly serious whilst a man in uh, Carhartt um, (laughs) overalls and no shirt holds up two small crowns with a fag in his mouth and he looks very much like Phil Anselmo. It's, It's a really, really brilliant picture. I'll try and get a picture of this up online if I can. Anyway, back to the review. There's nothing sheepish about wool. They literally explode into life with an uncompromising racket quite far removed from the accessible pop punk of Green Day or Offspring. When they do cruise through their 3 minute anthems, Eden or Superman is Dead, it's like a spikier bad religion. They've got the same sense of melody but with more jarring arrangements. They even break up Superman is Dead with a jazzy bluegrass interlude no doubt designed to annoy a complacent audience. Budspawn and set are awkward albums, but live everything fits into place. The chunky discordance of SOS and the slab-heavy rhythms of slightly under rub shoulders with a more straightforward moments and fuel a small but frantic mosh pit. A lot of people in the crowd just look on bemused, but then, Wall are not an easy band to settle into. They are worth the effort, however, and definitely don't need to lean on the Style Brothers' former glories. Scream, who'day? L7 open with Everglade. Plastic horns, ooh and misses and a huge dollop of attitude. It's not an attitude that says fuck you, more one of pure, unadulterated fun and, well, rock in general. It's this hard-to-pin-down attitude thing more than their material which makes L7 such an excellent live proposition. Let's thanks it, the Hungry for Stink album had about as many high points as Holland, and the three preceding records were patchy to say the least. The gals' delivery can't really rescue plodders like Can I Run or Talkbox, but everywhere else L7 stomp. They're like a bastardized female version of the Ramones and the ACDC, with a touch of Motorhead thrown in for good measure. Some of their songs are classics. Shove, like almost all their stuff, is brutally simple, but works as a bruising, crushing statement of intent. The poptastic pretend we're dead adds blatant melody to the equation, and the bouncing monster sits somewhere in between. It may be that L7 has said all they're going to say musically. Then again, so have the aforementioned Ramones, ACDC, and Motorhead and it hasn't stopped any of them from still being very fine purveyors of cranial abuse. Hagrock, stompingly good, go see. This next review is for live. Live at Edwards number eight Birmingham, Wednesday, February the 1st, reviewed by Mark Blake. This gets electrocution, no it doesn't, it gets high voltage out of five, four out of five. Just one exposure to Live's Throwing Copper album and you can instantly see just why America's slacker generation are snapping it up by the crate load. Live don't deserve the tag of grunge light, they're far too good. But they remind you of all of those ads in Rolling Stone magazine, where a Brad Pitt lookalike models a $200 flannel shirt and immaculate army fatigues. Live deal in brilliant vignettes of small town America, as hip as REM or Pearl Jam but several notches up from Stone Temple Pilots and a motherfucker ahead of Counting Crows. Ultimately, it all comes down to the songs, and tonight there are absolutely no fillers. The at Art Creek christens the set, climbing from almost inaudible beginnings to a walloping climax. Lightning crashes, iris, and selling the drama are trotted out to immediate recognition from a crowd who already know the album backwards, while a jagged stop-start time signature an hysterically received Shit Town, wickedly dedicated to the mayor of York, Pennsylvania, life's hometown. Don't be fooled by the photos either. Live aren't as dull as some of their press shots suggest. Bassist Patrick Dahlheimer looks uh, a little like the club's caretaker who accidentally wandered on stage, but frontman Ed Kowalczyk is cool. He hankers down at the front of the stage in a typical Anselmo Rollins crouch and flashes doleful stares at the crowd, but like the Throwing Copper album, he's intense but safe. The first encore of TBD, with its hypnotic dub bassline, proves there's more to the band than big colliding riffs. But when Kowalczyk waves his guitar threateningly towards the floor, you want him to surrender to the worst rock cliches and trash the damn thing. He stops himself, just. Throwing Copper has now sold over a million copies in the US. Deservedly, but on the live front, live, and is that the worst name in the history of rock, need to throw caution to the wind and really loosen up. More sex, drugs and violence is required. No doubt we'll get it. Next up, we have Killing Joke, Shoots Groove, and Skunk Anansie live at Rock City, Nottingham, Tuesday, January the 31st. Reviewed by Chris Watts. This gets high voltage out of five, four out of five. Jazz Coleman advances to the front of the stage, cradling a burning candle. He glares out at everybody here, and they cheer. Jazz doesn't miss a beat. It's only a fucking candle, he growls and snuffs out the light. I swear he actually cackles and then Killing Joke smash into Requiem like they've just pulled one over on God himself. It's moments like these which have always made Killing Joke something special and the cult a bag of waffle. Killing Joke, whether playing the game at a recent Tower Records in-store or at the London Astoria surrounded by 60 Maori hackers, are unpredictable and mesmeric. They can make you physically sick and they can make you dance for the first time in your life. The stages are washed with strobes and psychedelic oil lamps. Mark likes catch Jazz's mad face and bulging eyes as he summons up his demons for exorcism and millennium. Geordie way cooler than Keith Richards and everybody else put together, pulls those screeching sounds from his guitar like he was just dusting ash off his leather jeans. And Youth, this shambling giant of a genius pouring over his bass in a cloud of incense and cigarette haze. But they take their cues from Jazz, this born-again agitator and wayward showman. Tonight he is a black metal priest for war dance and jovial master of ceremonies for psyche, our way of saying happy birthday to ourselves. He even urges us to communicate with dead friends before being silenced by the greatest riff ever written uh, and love like blood shreds this madhouse. Killing Joke are never to be supported by anyone other than the brave or the foolish. Tonight we get both. Skunk and Nancy are the brave. Skin looks like Kate Moss in Tank Girl and sings swastika like she's about to pop a vein. Skunk and Nancy have the attitude but not the songs just yet. Shoots Groove have two divots, rapping about the Bronx and gangs. It's hardcore by numbers and well past this sell-by date. Only the mad endure. Killing joke are all the proof you need. It seems like every review this week is getting high voltage out of five. Four out of five. Let's see what we get next. The next review is for Megadeth and Corrosion of Conformity, live at the Roseland, New York, Saturday, January 28th. Reviewed by Steve Blush, this gets high voltage out of five four out of five tonight's audience covered all the bases old-school headbangers prepubescent grunge kids black and white even iced tea was in attendance in the sold-out crowd side by side with hulking hell's angels and marauding skinheads who says there's no unity in the metal world corrosion looking for hour-long performance was easily the highlight of the evening Performing material primarily culled from their Monster Deliverance album, the quartet's blistering set leaped from classics like Dance of the Dead and Vote with a Bullet to new fan-friendly smashes like Albatross, Clean My Wounds and Pearls Before Swine. Vocalist guitarist Pepper Keenan crooned with conviction while angry Axeman Woody Weatherman, dreadlocked bassist Mike Dean and Love God drummer Reed Mullin played like they were having the time of their lives. And isn't that supposed to be what rock is all about? Dave Mustaine is on the white snake trip these days. Rockstar quaff trousers and full of sex god posturing, but he pulls it off. Fiery guitarist Marty Friedman proved once again that he's one of the best in the business, while the rhythm section of bassist Dave Ellison and drummer Nick Menzer came off talented yet tasteful. But the problem with Megadeth was exemplified by the professional 90-minute set, a solid greatest hits offering without any hits. Sure. Their version of Annie in the UK was cool, as were old faves like Wake Up The Dead and new single, Train of Consequences. But the rest of Megadeth's 95 Roadshow was an unmemorable blur of seamless Teutonic riffage and sassy speed metal classicisms. Give Mustaine and crew credit for keeping it together for 10 years in the face of changing fans and personal demons. They may not have made a truly great record since 1986 Peace sales But Who's Buying, yet they continue to fight for the glory of metal with honor. And business is good. The last review this week is for Dream Theatre, live at Ronnie Scott's London, Tuesday January the 31st, reviewed by Xavier Russell, this gets electrocution out of 5, 5 out of 5. I was sorry that at least 100 diehard Dream Theatre fanatics who had travelled vast distances were left standing outside in the cold tonight, whilst inside the record luminaries were swigging free beer. Dream Theater, having recovered from being caught up in the middle of the Kobe earthquake disaster, turned in a surprisingly superb display. This was tip-top prog rock. They opened, surprisingly, with Elton John's Funeral for a Friend, which neatly led into Love Lies Bleeding. Next up in his night of covers was Deep Purple's Perfect Strangers, which was note-for-note perfect. Now, here's one of my favourite drummers, Snell DT's Mike Portnay. It was, of course, the heavy pounding of Bonzo, which could only mean The Rover by Led Zepp, of course. Also included was Zep's Achilles, Last Stand, and The Song Remains the Same. But the Rush selection was a most peculiar choice. Tears was hardly progtastic. And so to the high point of the evening, enter one Barney Greenway, he of Napalm Death, guesting on vocals for a truly hysterical rendition of Metallica's Damage Inc. The question on everyone's lips was would he attempt to sing? Answer, Err, Damage Inc. Mind you, it was nice to hear the tune being drummed properly for the first time. Lars, take note. From someone who couldn't sing to someone who could, namely Marillion's Steve Hogarth, who turned in a pleasant duet with DT's James Labrie on the old Beatles' chestnut, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Fellow Marillion stalwart Steve Ruffery then whipped out his axe for Marillion's Easter, Talk about blowing your own trumpet. It was extremely odd to see Labrie reading the lyrics to Tori Amos's Well Wimpy Winter, The situation was saved by fossil rocker Steve Howe, who was the surprise hit of the evening, playing a mega yes medley that included Machine Messiah, Heart of the Sunrise, Close to the Edge, Siberian Catru, and Starship Trooper, all flawless. Memories of the Reading Festival 75 flooded back. These special guests now departed, Dream Theater bowed out with a medley of their personal favourites. Get a load of this, Pink Floyd's in the flesh, Kansas Carry On Wayward Son. Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, Journey's Loving, Touching, Squeezing, sadly minus the Nana Na Chorus, the Dixie Dregs Cruise Control, and finally the Loathsome Genesis' Turn It On Again. Probably the greatest covers set of all time. And I'm sure in 1995, when this was written, that might well have been the greatest covers band set of all time. But as uh, some of you keen listeners will know, I personally was at a Tony Hawk soundtrack covers band gig the other week in a small pub. And I can guarantee that it was a hell of a lot more fun than that show. Anyway, we all know that music is subjective. And speaking of music, let's move on to this week's cover stars. Slayer, Biohazard and Machine Head. War Ensemble. The heaviest metal tour of 95 crushes California. Stefan Cherazzi catches the vibe. Wog! A roar from Slayer screamer Tom Arreia echoes around the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium, California. Chris Contos, Machine Head's gregarious drummer, is slumped over a barrier cursing. Biohazard Axeman Billy Graziati looks crushed. Machine Head frontman Rob Flynn looks like he might try a Cantona kiss on Arreia, whilst cheeky Slayer skin basher Paul Bustaf can't help grinning. Arreia has just cut inside Graziati and unleashed a 4-yard rocket into the Contos goal, putting his team 4-1 up. A breathless Arraya sighs after the match, It's the first time we've been able to get a soccer game going on this tour. Welcome to the heaviest metal show on earth, courtesy of Slayer, Biohazard, and Machine Head. It sounds like being an orgy of Satan, sex, and sangria. Instead, it's a typical traveling convention of dudeism. It's all very relaxed. Pussycats a lot of them. Footy aside, the atmosphere is low-key and mellow. Usually, biohazard guitarist Bobby Hamble likes to check out a zoo, but Santa Cruz ain't bursting with them, so Hamble relaxes on the Hazard bus. Slayer's six stringer Jeff Hanneman is playing Sega NHL hockey, drinking some beers, his usual quiet self. Slayer's other axe grinder, Kerry King, wanders around, hood up over his tattooed bald head to avoid goosebumps. Yes, there are a few drinks. Yes, there's some girls around. No, there isn't an official sighting of Satan anywhere, though both Rob and Kerry have recently seen the Demon Knight movie and both think it's pretty damn good. It's all very mellow. Machinehead and Slayer hang out a lot. The two bands have just heard Europe together. After all, Uh, but it's Machine Head who are the real social glue on this tour. When Slayer and Biohazard meet, it's mostly through Machine Head. The cultural differences between them are huge. Biohazard of Brooklyn. New York maniacs. Slayer are Southern California slouchers. East meets West. Two different ways of life. Two different daily routines. In New York, time waits for no man. In LA, time sometimes never seems to move forward. Machine Head with their urban upbringing in California mix easily with both bands. Contos is building up for a massive Sega NHL war with Hanuman, but he's also looking forward to Graziadi teaching him and the rest of the machine head how to snowboard when the band reach Oregon. Biohazard are the two early birds, up and bouncing when most are still snoozing, like this morning for example. There are reasons why we get up at 7am and do grassy jiu-jitsu, a Brazilian martial art, explained Billy. Being on the road so long, it's important to break away and get a life. If not, you become this machine that just plays the songs every night. To keep that heartbeat strong, we do a lot of things. Martial arts, training, snowboarding, it all makes your blood pump. It makes you feel alive, because you can get into a rut when you're sleeping on the tour bus. You can only write so much. You can only play so much guitar every day. I sometimes wonder about the bands who party until six in the morning because I'm usually fucking exhausted, but you warm up when you're on stage. After 40 minutes, your blood's all pumped up at 90 miles an hour, so you get off stage and you're wide awake. If you're headlining, that's one in the morning. So you meet new friends, Meet some old friends and you're still ready to go, but everybody's gone. So maybe you look for a party. There's some truth in the cliche, although for Biohazard the cliche doesn't really stand. Me and Bobby like a drink, but Evan's totally straight, none of us do drugs. Biohazard used to enjoy a good party or 200, often to the point of extreme danger. Today, Billy drinks in moderation. When we were growing up, alcohol and drugs could have swallowed us whole. I had drug problems, problems with violence, the things I'm not proud of. I'm not saying how hard I think I am, but they helped me be the person I am today. I had a problem with heroin. I was in the car with this girl. She had a son in the back and we copped some dope in the Lower East Side and got ripped off. They gave us cut crap in pure heroin. I remember freaking out when we did it because we'd been ripped off. I went back to confront these people who were all packing pieces. They were black and Puerto Rican and I was a little white kid. That's when it hit me that I was putting myself and the child in jeopardy. Now we go to halfway homes and shelters for kids telling them our experiences. It's easier for kids to hear it from us. We tell them that their parents aren't going on. They're looking out for you. To Billy and Biohazard, touring is an education. A friend once told me that when I'm on tour, I should be a tourist. We shouldn't let kids always keep us in that tour mindset. If there's 20 kids who think they deserve my attention, I'll talk to all of them. But you have to break off sometimes. In Paris this time, I went to see the Eiffel Tower. And the next time I go, I'll see the Louvre. Each time, I'll go and see something new. In America, he smiles. I got it all planned out. On the West Coast, I surf. On the east coast in DC, we all try to catch the Vietnam War Memorial. All of Biohazard, due to family circumstances, have a hefty interest in Vietnam. And up in the north, I like to snowboard. Plus, I just got a mobile recording unit in a big flight case, so we can record on the road. We've just done four new songs. Biohazard the band with 28 hours in a day. We're pretty easy going, Billy laughs. It's easy to approach us, so long as you do it in the right way. We have a suitcase full of beer and vodka. Slayer, Biohazard, Machine Head. On stage, raging heavy metal. Backstage, Sodom and Gomorrah. Not quite. It's not a full-on madhouse scene backstage, shrugs Machine Head's Chris Contos. It's a bunch of guys sitting around drinking some fruity drinks and kicking back. I'm certainly not aware of any cocaine if that's what you're getting at. Everyone here's a little too mature these days. For that shit, adds Rob Flynn. Nobody here was ever in Motley Crue. There's no rock star stuff going on here. No way, spits Contos. If anybody wants that, they can go to a titty bar. We aren't going to get a half dozen chicks in titty pools crawling around here backstage so we don't have to leave the hall. We have parties. We get drunk after the show and there are girls around and there are guys around and everyone has a good time. But it isn't a chicken hunt. We don't have people combing the crowd to give the best looking girls passes. Listen, all we want is normal stuff. We like a nice environment to do the gig and then we all play sports or whatever. There's no outrageous stuff. We're lucky to even get girls at our shows. We're such ugly motherfuckers, Flynn laughs. We had a joke that parts of Europe were just sausage fests. There were so many guys around. Sausage fest aside, Europe was a blast for Machine Head. We got cheers when I expected lettuce, tomatoes and slayer chants every night, Contos grins. And for our first tour, the amount of press and attention was overwhelming. And I don't think you can call it hype, says Flynn. Hype is when your record company has paid for billboards all over town to shove you in everybody's face, whether you're any good or not. We got some good reviews in some well-respected magazines, which is what started the whole ball rolling. If anything, we nearly got some backlash. There were writers who came up to us after shows and said they had gone with the ultimate intention of slagging us off and ripping us apart, but they couldn't. Slayer Axman, Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman have a terrible addiction. It is serious. It drives them all over towns long after halls are drained as Slayer heads, and they usually get their fix. Tonight we leave Santa Cruz for San Jose some 35 miles away to satiate their burning desires. I like it because you can get food and drinks late, explained King. The addiction is TGI Fridays. Yes, the restaurant train populated by cell phone-wielding yuppies. You see, there's a certain familiarity that comes with going to a TGI Friday, something Hanneman and King enjoy heartily. They are deadly serious, sporting Friday's keychains where you might have expected pentagrams. Don't you ever forget where you are where you're in one, says crane snapper Mark Leora, referring to the standard Fridays decor. Nah, it's all in the parking lot, replies King honestly. A giveaway every time. Plus, who cares if I did? The bus always picks us up. Kerry, a man possessed of a truly international palate, orders a Thai chicken salad and a baked potato with sour cream. He also has a pot and Miami iced tea. Jeff orders Heineken and Munge's bar snacks. Both really unwind within the comforting confines of Friday's faux wooden bar and stalls. They laugh about Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, Slayer are a band so heavily metal that they don't give a toss about admitting how much they love the cartoon goons. Which is a surprise for anyone still thinking Slayer are the evilest people in the world. That's actually very funny, Hanneman cackles. I mean, if we did all the things we've ever written about, we'd all be in jail. So come on, we're just normal people. We're able to get all of our aggressions out on stage. Off stage, we relax and have fun. For Slayer, touring is a perpetual state of mind. The road holds no surprises for these hardened metal warriors. King, we've been touring for so long that we have this schedule. We play our gig, hang out for a while, watch movies on the bus... Check into hotels, wake up, sound check. Hanuman. And when you get home from a long tour, you realise that the world has changed. Billy from Biohazard loves to surf and snowboard. You can't really imagine Kerry and Jeff doing that stuff too. King. I'd be into stuff like that, but when I'm on tour, I'm really sketchy about doing anything where I could hurt myself. If I hurt myself, snowboarding or whatever, the whole tour's sunk. On this tour though, I have some big plans to go and see some of my friends with snake ranches. Does it get harder to stay motivated as the tour goes on? King. I won't allow that into my head why should the kid at the last show get less of a show than a kid at the first i put in we all do the same effort and commitment to all the shows otherwise you're ripping off the kids i was a kid too that's why i don't care if we don't make money directly from shows i'm happy to break even and put on a good show because you still make money from t-shirts and stuff i guess i'm from the old school i'll always push for a bigger show a good production we've always been into huge sound and lights that's always been very important to us on a tour this metal anything less would be a tragedy. Communication now, let's see what the long hairs of 1995 have to complain about this week. Upon reading Kerrang529, I couldn't help but notice Phil Alexander's editorial, in particular one line. We will continue to be scrupulously fair in the way we treat bands that provide a soundtrack to our lives. Yeah, since when? Captioning a photo of Emperor with donut, 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 and donut hardly seems to be fair treatment of the band. Your incredible prejudice towards any band that isn't the in thing, type of negative, Danzig, Emperor, Christian, Death, Burza, Morbid Angel, is usually bearable. But this editorial pissed me off and compelled me to write. Everybody has the right to dislike a band, but claiming to be fair to all bands in your treatment of them when you're clearly not is hypocritical to say the least. I know nothing will change and there will always be bands outcasts from Kerrang, but I thought I'd tell you uh, what I think of the matter. Oh, and if you hate Burzum, wait till you hear my demo. Nagrom from Neith. Just to show we ain't prejudiced, you win this week's Kerrang cap. I can't help feeling a little unsure about the term Supergroup being applied to Mad Season, issue 530. Sure, the members come from other very well-known bands, but if Rob Morgenstein, winger, Got together with Dana Strum, Slaughter, C.C. DeVille, Expoison, and Steve Rochelle, Tough. we'd hardly call it a cock rock supergroup, would we? Everyone would probably be too busy slating their respective bands. The whole grunge scene is tired and past its sell-by date, and it was never that revolutionary anyway. I don't think I stand alone in saying that the best thing to come out of Seattle, certainly in terms of musical integrity, are Queensryche. So let's not go overboard about something which is simply a side project. Mark Hodnett, Surbiton. Please could you print this letter? In a recent communication, a stunned almighty fan complains that Headbangers Ball is almost entirely death metal. How can this person make such a claim when they don't watch it or record it? In recent weeks we've had Glam and Sleaze Fests with the likes of Bang Tango, Faster Pussycat and Vane, and a Van Halen special which also featured videos from the likes of Kiss, Manic Eden, Little Caesar, Danzig, Bad Religion and Aerosmith. The show always presents a diverse mix of music in an effort to cater to everyone's varied tastes, but it is for fans of heavy metal, so it's not surprising that the heavier styles dominate. On average, out of 22 videos per show, only four or five are death metal. Thanks for setting the record straight. Vanessa Warwick, producer, Headbangers Ball. Gagging for a shagging, Moist, an apt name for the band containing the most horny bloke ever, David Usher. Please print a pic of this, sex god, Alison, Tracy, Tina and Zoe from County Armagh. Sigiza Butler is back with Ozzy Osbourne, why? Since he left Black Sabbath, Ozzy's only real achievement has been conning metal fans and the press that crazy behaviour is a substitute for songs. Tony Iommi on the other hand has kept up Black Sabbath status as the greatest heavy metal band ever. Ozzy has never matched Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Born Again, The Eternal Idol, Headless Cross, Tyre, Dehumanizer, or Cross Purposes, or for that matter, Seventh Star. The difference between Sabbath and Ozzy is that since Ozzy left, Ozzy made money. Sabbath made music, so Geezer Butler is wrong to say that Iommi shouldn't use the Sabbath name. Kerrang! has supported the careers of Osborne and Bruce Dickinson and yet consistently dissed Black Sabbath and Motorhead. We know why. Osborne and Dickinson sell issues. Kerrang! is no longer a magazine for heavy metal fans, it is for pop rock fans and pop rock is what Ozzy plays. Andy Sutton in Ashfield I felt I must write to Kerrang to say how I think the Monsters of Rock Festival will be ruined if ACDC do headline as you've rumoured. I have nothing against ACDC, but they are no longer a popular act. In their time, they would have been an ideal band to headline, and as they've had their uh, three times 1981, 84, and 91, there is no need for them to do it a fourth time. And when was their last album? Was it 92? I think so, and that album was live material, nothing new. Their last studio album was released way back in 1990, even before their last appearance at Donington. So give it a miss this year, guys. Let a younger band be the main band, such as Megadeth, who, after such a killer album as Euthanasia, deserved their top spot at the uh, Donington 95. Here's my ideal lineup for this year's Monsters of Rock Festival Main Stage Megadeth, Anthrax, The Almighty, The Wild Hearts, Paradise Lost, Terrorvision, Second Stage, Machine Head, Headswim, Green Day, Mad Season, Foo Fighters, and Mother's Day Out. Pretty killer, I reckon, and much less tired than weeding out the likes of ACDC yet again. Dave Mustaine's King V Pro Villain Hall. On January 20th, I lost a camera at Nottingham Rock City. It hasn't been handed in, so I assume someone took it. I don't care about the camera. Keep it. But if you've got any heart, you'll get in touch about sending me the film or the photos if you've used up the film and developed it. Thank you, I hope. Corpse, 18 Cronkinson Avenue, Nantwich. Cheshire, CW57BP. Ill communication. As we all know, poster power is no more in Kerrang! But there are still two posters in this week's uh, issue. There's a poster of Courtney Love from Hole playing live and a poster of uh, Chris, what's his name? Uh, Chris, the guy from Black Crows. God, what's his name? Chris Robinson. Jesus. It just says here, Chris meets Satan. So there's a picture of Chris Robinson and Satan. Um, as you'll... Be able to guess both these posters are still in kerrang and they didn't adorn my wall let's move on to singles singles this week are reviewed by dave reynolds the first single reviewed is river of pain by thunder and this gets 4ks the second single from Behind Closed Doors was Untold originally planned to be Moth to the Flame, but for some reason a switch has been made to River of Pain. Whatever, this is a good song. There's nout wrong with this. A good steady crack of thunder back with a selection of live material, including a pretty faithful rendition of Mont The all the way from Memphis. Cracking stuff. The next single is Tom Petty with the single You Wreck Me, and this gets 3Ks. From the critically acclaimed Wildflowers album, the Rick Rubin production job actually adds some weight to a typical petty song. It's possibly the best track the man's issued as a single since that one which had Kim Basinger playing a corpse in the video. No one can remember the title of right now. The next single is Someday I'll Be Saturday Night by Bon Jovi. This gets 3Ks. John Bon Jovi corners the Garth Brooks market and imminent country music television overkill awaits for this single as much as always still saturates MTV, VH1, The Box, and every other cable music channel. Nice work if you can get it. One of the new cuts from the Crossroad compilation, Saturday Night will certainly be a huge hit. Of that, you can be sure. Dinosaur Jr. with their single, I Don't Think So. This gets two Ks. Amazingly, for the supposed kings of slacker rock, This sounds as if Dinosaur Jr. have been listening to too much of the monkeys. It also sounds as if singer Jane Maskis was asleep when he recorded it. Very much a taste of the alternative rock scene. A hit? Sadly, I don't think so. Moist with their single, Silver, this gets 2Ks. Apparently Moist don't like heavy metal. Probably because they want to attract the Oasis and Portishead crowd. It might go some way to explaining why the single sounds extremely dull and uninspired. Moist obviously never went to see Anvil back home in Canada in their youth. To be fair, I know for a fact Moist have better songs on the album than this, they just need to release those as singles instead. A guaranteed top 40 hit, whichever way you look at it. The single of the week this week comes from Machines of Loving Grace with their single Butterfly Wings. This gets 5Ks. I first heard Machines of Loving Grace quite by accident, making a contribution to the Crow soundtrack album recently. Since then I've been hooked. Machines of Loving Grace are the new gods of industrial metal. This is mean sex rock with shades of 9 inch nails, both in the approach to the caustic guitars and pumping rhythm, as well as the number of mixes of the same song being made available in one go. Machines of Loving Grace will be one of the most explosive packages of the year. We now come to a piece in Kerrang entitled Punkin' Disorderly. No effects are punkin' droblick and they don't give a fuck. In Frisco, Morat trades Cockney rhyming slang with top FX geezer. Fat Mike. People have guns and they just don't care about anything, says NoFX vocalist bassist Fat Mike of the band's violent hometown San Francisco. Some Irish guy was at a bank getting money out and was getting robbed. The guy was like, I'm not giving you my money, so they killed him. People just watched as he got beaten to death with bats. The first corpse of 1995 was found just after midnight on New Year's Eve under a flyover a few blocks from the headquarters of Mike's increasingly successful record label Fat Records. Fat Mike is disappointingly in proportion and is obsessed with Cockney rhyming slang. He's been taking lessons from Brit Punk Scallywags Guns and Wankers, now sadly defunct. Basically, if you live in London and you can talk Cockney, says Mike with gleeful ignorance, Mike has even added some rhyming slang to the recent Guns and Wankers release on his label. Beam, showing me the words scratched into the vinyl. I don't get it. Oil tankers? Wankers, he grins. Oh yeah. Fat Mike is wearing Punk Rock Tartan bondage trousers, blissfully unaware of the fact that they went out of fashion over 15 years ago and punks couldn't afford them anyway. Thankfully though, the portly one gets it right more often than he gets it wrong. As Fat Records proves beyond doubt, started in 1992 with releases by Lagwagon and NoFX, the label has just moved from Mike's bedroom to the spacious office near Oakland Bridge. Mike employs three staff including his wife who gives him a hard time for giving stuff away. Fat Wreck label policy is simple. Mike signs bands he likes. He offered British Oi! Snuff $30,000 to reform and is a little disappointed by rumours of them signing to a major label. I really love Snuff. So I would have put all the money I have on the line just to sign them. I don't even know how well that record would do out here. I just like good songs. I did Lagwagon's like first album and I wouldn't put out their second until I'd heard it. I want to hear the songs before I put them out. Aren't you behaving like a major label by doing that? Uh, yeah, Mike laughs but I don't think a band should have half a good album. We have this band called 88 Fingers Louie. They have two singles on the label, but I won't do their album until they write 12 good songs. I'm sorry, but I don't wanna put out crap. What if the band think it's the best thing they've ever done? Then they can go to another label, says Mike. See, major labels will put out anything they think they can sell. If they don't like a band, but they know it's gonna sell, they'll put it out. I don't do that. I put out bands I like and songs I like, so I don't look at it like I'm telling bands what to do. I had a chance to sign that band seven year bitch they sent me their seven inch and i was like i don't want to put you guys out it's terrible but it sells you know they sold 30 or forty thousand, which is as much as a lot of my bands are selling but i don't like that shit. i want to have one of the labels where people go all their stuff's good i'll buy it because it's on this label and if the label's doing good business you should see fat mike's band yes no effects latest album punk and Droblick have sold over two hundred and fifty thousand copies no doubt They've been offered loads of cash to leave Epitaph. Loads, of firms, Mike. We were offered $1.5 million for free records. A lot of money, but we're not taking it. We thought about it, he adds honestly. When someone offers you that much money, you've got to think about it. But it can be a bad career move. Bad religion seemed to have uh, lost a lot of fans since signing to a major. Well, they're selling more records, reckons Mike, but it's not fans. It's just people who heard them on the radio and aren't gonna stick with them. We're playing for our fans and we're making good money We don't need anything else. Fat Mike may have got a little fatter on the success of No Effects, but he understands about honesty and punk rock. Bad Religion didn't just sign to a major, they were seen to lie to their fans. That hurts. And as for label makes Rancid nearly leaving the fold, they wanted the stardom, says Mike with a hint of a sneer. You could tell. They went to dinner with Madonna, but then they've got all these stupid articles about how stupid they were. They were this close. Mike indicates with an all too long gap between his fingers and the reason they didn't was because I had a talk with them and so did Dexter from Offspring. Rancid aren't selling as many records as us or Offspring. They're not making as much money and they're bummed. I said look by your next record you'll be selling tons and making lots of money you'll be living off it. Offspring as Mike points out are all millionaires now on the strength of one hit song and some rather drab live performances. They suck says Mike bluntly they're no good live but what if you get as big as them? I don't think that's gonna happen, he muses. I don't think my voice is commercial at all. It's all too fucking whiny. And we didn't send that video to MTV. They wanted us to, they actually called, but the other day they had this thing shown on MTV called the Punk Edition. Oh, was that bad. We're happy where we are, ponders the rotund one. If we ever did have a hit song, we wouldn't play much bigger places than we do now. It's hard to say what you do in the future, but we're not trying to be huge. Nirvana said they never wanted to be that big. I think they knew exactly what they were doing, scoffs Mike. I heard Kurtz say he was really bummed because they couldn't play small places anymore. Bullshit. You can play wherever you want. Nirvana weren't punkers to start with. They were hippies. Then they got into the punk thing. You can make your own rules if you want to. Basically, we're heavy metal, aren't we? Oh, we made a record. You're so heavy, you couldn't get it off the turntable. We now come to albums, and the first album reviewed this week is It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere by Slash's Snake Pit. Reviewed by Ray Zell, this gets 4Ks. You know what? I almost wish someone had shoved this at me to review on a label-less cassette and said see what you make of this. Would I have formed any outrageously profound g and comparisons or even mentioned the buggers? Actually, yes. In passing, definitely Aerosmith, probably Joe Perry's solo albums. Guns' guitar-wielding, chain-smoking Sasquatch has kept drummer Matt Sorum and once-hired, now-fired gun Gilby Clark on rhythm guitar, but delved outside his normal sphere of sparring partners for one Eric Dover, a former jellyfish I believe, on vocals, and Allison Chains bassist Mike Innes. Dover has one of those voices. He sounds like somebody, but you can't quite plant your digit on who. The kind of tonsils Joe Perry in solo days would have employed, done a good job, like you'd never have heard of again. And Inez, he never lets the foundation of this predominantly heavy blues album swing into areas overtly corny or cliched. A real gut rumbler is Mike, and an interesting element. Co-produced by Slash and GNR flipping RDS desk jockey Mike Klink, this album is fat with raw edges. The songs were born out of studio jams, most of them still intact with dangly bits. Loose Ends, Kitchen Sink, Spillage, Entrails et al. But despite the giblets, This is still one lavish chicken. Nope, not a turkey. And had Slash's future been pinned on this deal, I'm sure we'd be witnessing a vehicle of far sleeker and more calculated aerodynamics. As it is, this is Slash's party, and he'll flex his musical muscle any way he wants to. Good luck to him. I Hate Everybody But You It's the instant standout hooky chorus number, the nearest thing to a single to these ears. And doing fine It's your swaggering party rave up thingy, where Dover really gets to exercise some vocal character and that repetitive sonic belch chorus of take it away could be the almighty. The rest are various degrees of fab despite the questionable length of some of them creeping up on you to gel with continuous plays. Still, it'd be interesting to hear a second album from this lineup with Eric Dover there influentially at the song's conception as opposed to stuffing lyrics into the allotted slots of completed songs. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, is neither classic or dangerous, simply and purely a very good blues based heavy rock record. Is that still allowed these days? The next album reviewed this week is Retribution by Extreme Noise Terror. Reviewed by Jason Arnop, this gets 4Ks. Extreme Noise Terror are the Ipswich punk mob who not only delighted us with their Blitzkrieg rants in the late 80s but pulled off the cool stunt of playing with a KLF on 3am Eternal. ENT's music was even spikier than their hair. Retribution proves they can still not only upset the neighbours but burn their fucking houses down. It's not a straight compilation as you might wearily anticipate, but a set of 94 re recordings. Those reliable screamers Dean Jones and Phil Vane are back together, showering the microphone with Spittle again. Vane, of course, moonlighted with Optimum Wound Profile for a few years, a good band, apparently now defunct. This new lineup's completed by original member Pete Hurley and Ali Firouz-backed on guitars plus lee barrett on bass also with disgust and the remarkably named drummer pig killer <laughs> sorry i didn't know the drummer's name was pig killer that's really good demolition balls like raping the earth bullshit propaganda and especially murder really bring the memories flooding back as if long-heeled scams are being reopened simpler than a van load of security guards subtle as a baseball bat on the snout and more fun than sex in the tree this is where it's at when it comes to mayhem 14 tracks of the finest puke. Chart attack now, and number one in the top 40 albums is Behind Closed Doors by Thunder. The top 20 in LPs number one there is Kaplunk by Green Day, and number one in the singles chart is Basket Case by Green Day. The readers chart this week comes from Simon Wilkinson from Stockport. His chart is number one, Liar Megadeth, two Angel of Death Slayer, three Slaughtered Pantera, four Paranoid Sabbath, 5 Go To Hell Megadeth, 6 Dyer's Eve, Metallica, 7 Black Curtains, Megadeth, 8 The Fret Skid Row, 9 Space Chase Hawkwind, and 10 Child in Time Deep Purple. Star Trek this week comes from Paul Miro of Apes, Pigs and Spacemen. His chart is number 1 Stacked Up center, 2 Swordfish Trombones Tom Waits, 3 Beneath the Remain Sepultura, 4 Swim Fishbone, and 5 Betty by Helmet. Next week in Kerrang! Back Issues. Sex lies. Axle suicide. Hate. Solo. Gun slash goes boom. Free over ten slamming stickers. Bon Jovi, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Television, Thunder, Machine Head, and more. The Wild Hearts. What the hell is going on? Bruce Dickinson meets Bad Religion, a punk metal collision. Plus, Blow, Caius, Green Day, Donington, and Warrior Soul. Thank you so much as always for listening. We will be back next Wednesday and yeah, I look forward to talking to you all then. So enjoy your week and uh, talk to you all soon. Bye for now.